2: everybody welcome back to another episode of the sixer sense podcast i'm lucas with jonathan here and we are going to talk a little bit more about some off-season moves but before we get into it jonathan how's your week going so far bud it's busy
3: it is busy um lots going on not not a lot going on with the sixers right i mean so so
2: i mean but not 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 like like honestly i think we might have seen the last of Jade the Springer because he didn't play last game, but that was because of an ankle. I, I think, yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty slow. We still need to fill out the roster, but I think that might just be because of trade stuff that we have. Yeah,
3: so this this is the time you want to be busy, be busy yeah. now. So when the season rolls around, hopefully, hopefully less on the plate.
2: But, yeah, it's going well. How about you? I mean, it's going pretty good. Uh Uh, you know have a baby girl today um she's back with her mom and then uh you know it's going to be pretty busy uh the next week or so we're gonna have a little family you know stay at home family vacation because you know traveling is expensive and i'm a teacher so i don't get paid that much so yeah now i you know we had our one out-of-state trip and now we're just gonna chill and just kind of have fun at home starting uh tomorrow through like awesome yeah, yeah, we're going to have a good time. Hopefully we can still podcast. I'm going to see if we can work that out with her sleep schedule, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Um all right, so let's get into some the the only big news honestly is Paul Reed opting in. We recorded and knew that the decision would happen after we recorded and before the pod- podcast was published. Obviously not ideal, but I think this is the third podcast in a row where we have thought something was going to happen. And we've had to say differently. So I think it was James Harden uh, and then seeing him on the party uh, uh, the white, with Michael Rubin and then uh, Trez. Yeah, coming back. And now Paul Reed. So I think the Sixers are messing with us. Um, our podcast is doing predicting the exact opposite of what's going to happen.
2: But yeah, Paul Reed. Not good for cred. Absolutely not.
3: <laughs> yeah. So Paul Reed is back. Uh, they did match that offer sheet from the Utah Jazz, so we are likely over the first apron, I believe. Yeah, um, we are. And and we are going to have to guarantee Paul Reed's contract for three years if we
2: win one round in the playoffs. So what is your initial reaction here? Um, I was surprised. I think a lot of us were, because based off of the moves from Mamba and Trez that you know we were expecting them not to match. But they did, and I think it was the right call. But, yeah, no, my, my initial reaction was shock. Honestly, same here. I mean, we all said on the podcast we didn't think it would be possible, including
3: Uriah. So now that he is back, do you think he's going to be the primary backup to Embiid? Uh,
2: I I don't see why not. I mean, look, your options are, are you know, Montrez or who, I mean, did start over, you know, backup above him for majority of last season. But, you know, Paul Reed took it over eventually and solidified that. I think Montrez is just there to be there, to be honest. Um it's between him and Mubamba, and we'll talk about Mubamba later. But I don't think backup center is going to be Bamba's M- only option this year, so I-, I think it will be Trez. I mean, Reed going to be the primary backup again.
3: But you do think Bamba will likely be the biggest threat to any playing time Reed would have behind him?
2: I-, I think so. Yeah, man. I mean, look, Bamba. You know, he is a legit seven footer. He can stretch the floor and has decent, you know, rim protection skills. His, I mean, his basketball IQ still has a lot to be left desired, but in terms of raw skills, he has the skills. Yeah.
3: I mean, I can see him. I can see him definitely. He has upside. We definitely know he has upside, but reed has been consistent. So um, I expect him reed, to be the main backup as well.
2: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's go ahead. Uh, we talked about Mubamba, and he recently made some comments, and uh, there's t- definitely some things to take away from that. First of which is, can he and Joel, act? you know, he's talked about doing a Twin Towers thing like they did with Toronto in 2019 when Serge Ibaka and Marcus All played a lot together. So can he and Joel play together in spurts for the Sixers this upcoming year? What do you think?
3: I think it's possible. I think you and I might disagree a little bit here because I'm more in the camp that I, I wouldn't love to see that lineup. I think that surrounding him, I think surrounding Embiid with a lot of shooters and and a four who, like, I know Bamba can stretch it a little, but, like, a more versatile player, I guess. Like, I don't hate when Tobias is the four. Um, Having Embiid, like, you need to give Embiid all the space in the paint. He needs to have any room that he needs to work with. I think in that article that we were looking at where Mo Bamba was saying that he could play next to Embiid, it was, like, talked about how he and Drummond or he and any of the other big centers that have come have never really played like side by side just because it doesn't really work. I know Bamba isn't in that same line of like Drummond or or other of the big centers like Horford or people like that. Um, he's a little more versatile, but I still think I'd rather have like a like a guard forward stretch on the floor there. But I, it sounds like you might think that they can
2: exist. I I think in certain matchups and certain instances, I would, you know, look, Vamba in the past two seasons um, has shot at least 38% from the three-point line, and two years ago, he shot that on four attempts, and this past season, he shot on two and a half, granted, his playing time went down by, like, ten minutes from two seasons ago to last season, so... You know, offensively, I don't think there's a problem offensively. I think Bamba's a more than willing three-point shooter and a capable one. You know, he's a career 35.9% three-point shooter, so I think it's it's safe to say that he could offensively. I think it will it could work because you know Joel can play anywhere on the court as well. So I I don't I my concern isn't on offense; it's defense. And you know, I guess it just depends because I haven't really had a chance to see. Bamba, you know, defend on the perimeter. Can he defend perimeter guys? Though I will say I, I saw a stat from like two years ago when Kem Birch was on the um was on the Magic, and they were a plus three when him and Bamba played together, but they were also like a negative when Wendell Carter and Bamba played together like last year. So I'm not sure exactly what to expect. Um that being said, I I don't think it's a completely outrageous thing to say that they can't I think certainly in certain mashups you, you'd want to try obviously I, I think the easiest matchup you could do that against is like the Timberwolves but like I think there are matchups yeah, you could get away with it for sure and yeah, you know, but yeah so so you said Embiid can
3: play anywhere on the floor and like I agree he can obviously knock down the three he can stretch bigs out but don't
2: we want him in the post more I mean Yes, but at the same time, Bamba, like I said, shot 38.7% uh, last year from threes. So, like, the guy can stretch the floor. And, you know, I guess that was like a talking point that him and Joel had, as well as him and Nick Nurse had, based off the Noah Levick article that we're referring to. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's possible. And I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Nurse plays around with it. I mean, Nick Nurse has been known to do unconventional three things like you know, triangle and three before. So I'm I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm like I said, I'm I'm for it if it if it works.
3: Okay. I mean, yeah, definitely different than what we've seen in the past, but I'm open to seeing if it can work. And you're right. I think if anyone can do it, it's probably Nick Nurse making it work.
2: So in the you know, when Bamba was talking um, uh, to the media after his signing. Uh, he mentioned his relationship to, to Joel, and Joel was a you know big part of him coming to Philly and his recruitment there, and the fact that they like apparently they have been in contact during Bamba's pre-draft like thing, and uh, Joel got him in touch with Drew Hanlon, so like they, they have a rich history there. So you know, I what do you think of their relationship? And I'm going to throw in an extra question that I didn't have in here could this possibly be bad for Paul Reed in the future based on their relationship? Is it like you all preferring Bamba over Reed or what do you think? Take of that? That's a
3: good question. Um, I'll take the first one first. I mean, I, yeah, it sounds like they did have a really strong relationship. And, and my first impression was I was kind of surprised that I, that I was un- unaware of that. So um, I think it's great though, if you're bringing in people who Embiid's comfortable with, again, I think that, Long-range goal for the Sixers is try to make Embiid happy. So bringing in players he has a relationship with, obviously playing with people who you're more friendly with, you know a little bit their game. I think that can help. And obviously they haven't played together, but having that like friendship, I think, really helps play out on the court. Uh, so I think it's great that they had that relationship, even even though we didn't know too much about it. Um, to your other question, I think Embiid has the power to make something like that happen. I mean, I think that was it. Harden obviously wanting uh who did he want in the lineup last year? Montrez. Yeah okay so it's like Harden wanting Trez in the lineup. He definitely like pressured Doc at times. The thing here is I don't think Embiid would do that. So unless Paul Reed is playing like horribly well or horribly bad I don't necessarily see Embiid like pushing for it. I think he understands at the end of the day you want to win even if he is friends with Mo Bamba. I do think it's something to keep an eye on, though, because MB does have the power to be able to do that. What do you think?
2: Well, I, if it was Doc Rivers, I think Joel would have the power. But Nick Nurse does not seem like the type of guy that's going to cater to his favorite players. You know what I mean in terms of, like, personnel decisions? So, yeah. I, honestly, I don't know if you knew this. But first off, did you know that Maxi has his own, uh, uh, his own podcast? podcast? Podcast, yeah. No,
3: no clue. Uh, uh,
2: again, how do we not know that? Uh, well, I just learned it today. Learned, uh, you know, trying to get information about our our next segment, but um, you know, apparently he had he's already had Nick Nurse on there. I think if Nick Nurse has bonded particularly strong with one of the players, I think Maxi might be the guy because I think they relate a lot to each other in terms of getting one percent. You know that that phrase that Maxie uses. Get one percent better each day. I think that that resonates with uh, Nick Nurse and vice versa with Maxi and Nick Nurse. So, and I'm not saying that Nick Nurse hasn't bonded with you well, but it just feels like in terms of like how it's being presented, it feels like you know if anybody has Nick Nurse's ear, it's Maxi.
3: Well, Nick Nurse is known for developing young players, and I don't think that that is a coincidence that he's hitting it off with uh, Maxi. But yep. yeah, you um, implied it or led to it, Uh Maxi has his podcast, and Nick Nurse was on it, and uh, the topic of Philip Petrusev came up. So I know you are the summer league expert that we have here. Uh, it sounded like Nick Nurse sees him being on the roster. What are your thoughts?
2: Um, I mean, I've said it in the past that if he's, a, like, on a two-way contract, I mean, that, that might make sense. But if he's actually on, like, the 15-man roster, that's a mistake. Because, like, you're going to have to – Wave, probably montrez you're gonna have to waive montrez and that's a waste of a minimum contract then even though yeah. like the nba pays like veterans the majority of their like minimum contract it still like hurts against the salary cap and like the second apron so like if you're actually thinking about bringing on petrushev you shouldn't have signed harold like seriously you should like Harold signing Harold was the biggest mistake by by unless it helps bring James Harden back. It was the biggest mistake by the by one of the I'm not saying it's going to be the biggest mistake, but it's one of the bigger mistakes that Maury has made during his tenure here. But do you think? Yeah. So do you think Nick Nurse obviously saying the thing about Petrusov? Do you think Nick Nurse knew that Trez was coming back? I mean, I don't know exactly when this was recorded. It sounds like it was recorded at Summer League, and Trez was already back before Summer League, so yeah, it sounds like he already knew that. So. So, like I said, I mean, do you think it's on a two-way contract. And
3: That's, you think that he kind of deserves a two-way contract based on his Summer League performance? Is that what you're uh, basing it on?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think he's played well enough in Summer League to at least garner a two-way contract. I mean, the other guy that we signed uh, undrafted, the center... I have not been impressed by him. He's barely done anything. I, I like Petrustev. He's a energy, you know, defensive big man who can, you know, occasionally put it in the basket when given the opportunity. He's not gonna be like a go to post scorer, but like can he finish when need to? Sure. So I'm 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 for Petrusev being on a two way, but like if he's on the fifteen man roster, it's a mistake. Cause then we have five centers on the roster.
3: Yeah. I I don't see him being on the roster either so we'll see how it plays out i don't know if he's just high on him again because he likes the young guys and he's watching summer league or if he actually thought that he would make the roster but either way i I doubt it
2: well before we move on from summer league i do want to note something i'm watching the magic and the knicks play right now in summer league i got it on mute while we're recording and guess who? which more two former two-way contract sixers that are playing on the knicks right now and the Knicks. Is it okay. McClung? Nope. Who? Michael Foster Jr. and Charlie Brown Jr. Charlie Brown
3: Jr. Ah. my guy. I love Charlie him. Charlie Brown Jr. got some got some actual burn up at the NBA level for a little.
2: Yeah, I, I liked what he brought. I guess just inconsistent three point shot was just too much not to, you know too much to ignore. All right. That being said, we're gonna switch gears and go to talk about Pat Bev a little bit now, right? So Pat Bev, you know, he also his signing was uh you know made official. A couple of things that we took away from that. Uh well during on a podcast, not during the press release of the signing, but uh during Pat Beverly's own podcast, yes, Pat Bev has a podcast too. Everybody has a podcast, right? So every single person has a podcast. Uh, Every single person. I, I should talk. I have two, but still. Um that being said, he talked about why he signed with Philly, and apparently it was due to Doc Rivers after Doc got fired. And of course, and basically the quote essentially said that you know, Pat Bev, you know, sees Doc as like a mentor, and he he always asked Doc about any major life choices that he's going to make. So when he called about the Sixers, you know, he was expecting Doc to like bad talk him after he got fired. He was like, no, Pat, Philadelphia is perfect for you. And if we had you last season, things would have ended differently. So do you honestly think things would have ended differently if we had Pep, and uh, do you think like he's like a good fit for Philly in that regard?
3: Uh, no, I don't think things would have ended differently. Um, I don't think Pat Bev is like, I get, he's a culture guy, but that's not what was the difference. I don't think against Boston. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's, it's changing if he's here last year, but I do think he is a good fit. Um, in other, obviously NBA news of relationships, we all know about Pat Bev and doc did not know they were that close, but, um, yeah, it is interesting that doc didn't say too much negatively. Uh, and he's probably hyping up his guy saying letting him know like you're a great player you got that kind of dog uh that obviously pj tucker has and yeah i definitely think he can get more out of mb for sure than maybe just the coaches can so i think he's a great addition Uh, i think he'll bring defensive mentality which i think we need some defensive mentality i mean years ago right when like matisse and ben wasn't like too much of a bomb like we were elite defensively and i don't think we're there and yeah, Pat Bev's old, uh, not great offensive game, but I do think he's good, but I, I don't think it changes last year's outcome. I mean, do you? Uh,
2: you never know it, you know, it was mental lapses in games six and seven that caused the sixers to lose, you know, so it because clearly we had the talent to win. We just couldn't get our get out of our own heads, especially after game six. So I, I think that it might, it might've, it might not have, I don't know. I'm not going to say for certain, but I think it is a good fit. Um, But moving on to our next question, you know, Pat Bev, you know, has been known as like a three and D point guard for most of his career, but the three has kind of waned a little bit, uh, shot around 34% last year. Do you think he can bounce back after a rough couple of seasons? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, as
3: you said, he shot thirty-three last year. His career high though is thirty-seven. So it's not like he's ever been great. And I don't think the difference between thirty-three and thirty-seven for a player like him is that big of a deal. I truly think it's like system and and who you're playing with. Obviously, Embiid opens up spots if teams decide to double. Pepev coming off a thirty-three percent shooting, like they may lag off him. He may get those shots. So I think he can bounce back, but I don't think we should be expecting anything like incredible out of him. Like he's not going to be knocking down big time threes, but he I think that his shooting percentage is is relatively stable uh, based on like the situation he's in. And I think Philly can help him get towards that upper upper tier of of his shooting.
2: OK, fair enough. I, I think he can bounce back. Yeah. Just, you know, playing with James Harden again, you know, he had some of his best seasons yeah. on side, James. Um, you know, so I, I think, I think it's possible. I mean, he's, sh- and by the way, his career high shooting from three point land was actually 40% his first season with the Clippers. Um, oh, I, I
3: yeah. gotcha.
2: Yeah. But no, um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Last two seasons, it was 34 and then 33, but I mean, it's, it's, possible. Yeah, he's averaging, he's averaging 37. That's my bad. Okay. But, yeah, no, i th- I think it's possible. Um, now, do you think you know he made a plea with when talking to the media with James to be like, "Come back." and he talked about how his how, how their uh, ladies are best friends, and you know, no, not their ladies. Their moms are best friends. and uh, you know how they've been together since you know since Houston. so do, do you think Beverly can actually convince James to come back and try? I don't. If Harden was
3: going to come back, it wasn't going to be because Bev was convinced i like, I think this issue with the front office and the con- what a contract he wants and maybe where he wants to play, not be in Philly, maybe it's LA. I don't think that Pat Bev can influence it. Like, I think if signing players could have changed James' mind, then I think that would have been done by now. I think Maury obviously would have tried to move heaven and earth. Maury's... Harden's biggest supporter, so I think this was more irreconcilable differences of not agreeing on the contract, and Harden wanted to be out. So I don't think uh, I don't think Pat Bev's going to be the difference maker here. Do you?
2: I mean, it it can't hurt, but I don't know if it helps in the grand scheme of things. I think this is a Harden choice, not a Pat Bev influence, thing. and we'll we'll just have to see what happens.
3: Yeah. We will wait and see. I, I do think Harden's going to be gone. I think he reiterated recently, like within the past couple of days, I said he like reiterated to the front office his desire to be traded. So we will see. But speaking of James Harden trades, we do have a three-team proposal on the Sixer Cents website. So our other, my uh, co-site expert, Kyle, posted a three-teamer that gets James Harden out of Philly. So I'm going to pitch it to you, see if you like it, and if you would do it. It's between the Sixers, the Clippers, and the Mavericks. So the Clippers are going to get James Harden, Furcon Korkmaz, who has been demanding a trade for two years, JaVale McGee. The Mavericks get Robert Covington and Avika Zubak, and then the Sixers get a haul. They get Terrence Mann, Norman Powell from the Clippers, Tim Hardaway Jr. from the Mavs, two first-round picks, and a future second-round pick. So are you doing it if you're Philly?
2: You know, you definitely have to think about it. Um, you you get a lot of draft assets there. You get Terrence Mann and Norman Powell, who were like the two main cogs of what you wanted out of that trade. But the it, I'm not a big fan of Tim Hardaway Jr. I'd rather have Robert Covington than Tim Hardaway Jr. But I know you you can't really do that. So do I? I do I love it? Uh, no, I probably. Probably don't do it. Just I don't. I don't want Tim Hardaway Jr. If I'm getting Norman Powell and Terrence Mann already, I need a. I need a big four, or like a big wing, and you know Tim Hardaway Jr. Definitely is not that. So. So it.
3: I looked at this. I looked at this deal. I guess a little differently, as in I agree with you, but I see it as like then you make another trade because I think Terrence Mann and Norman Powell are the players you need. You can pair, like like they're good players, not the players you need. But in terms of getting stuff back for Harden, you're getting two contributing players. Both can start if needed. And you're getting picks. So you can flip the picks and Tim Hardaway Jr. for something. I mean, obviously the name out there is Dame. We think he's going to Miami. Some people don't even want him. But if you have two firsts and a guard and you still have Maxi, not saying you do it, but you still have it, then you have all the assets you need. You also have the flexibility of holding on to some of them and trading them at the trade deadline and seeing what you can get, especially with the two max slots going to open up next summer. So in terms of this trade, I think it gets Harden out of Philly, which is what he wants. And I think it kind of settles the team knowing that like he's out and, and there's not this like, will he won't he sort of thing you're getting two potential starters back and assets that you can likely trade in another, another move. So that's kind of how I was looking at it. I agree. It's not like a no brainer, not saying you just like hit this and it's, and it's over, but, um, Again, I'm interested. I'm definitely intrigued by this.
2: So I don't know Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract, but I know Norman Powell has three years left on his deal, and th- so there's no way that you're going to be able to, um, you're going to be able to get, and um, a second open max contract spot, spot. So if you keep Norman Powell, you're not going to get that two max contract spots. Um, That's true. Good point. Um But I mean, the idea of trading those down the line is good. But what can what does Tim Hardaway Jr. really get you? Because if it got you something good, I feel like the Mavericks would have traded him already. So yeah, I,
3: I don't necessarily think it gets you something good, but I think like having a versatile wing guard in addition to picks, it's a nice throw-in. And uh, he's got a good salary, right? Like he's he's making good money, so it's probably a a nice match.
2: I don't know what his salary is, but I I know that he's not a versatile guard defensively. He's he's a negative on defense pretty much. I mean, he's a good scorer, but I like I said, I'm not I'm not like in love with it, and I probably wouldn't do it. But I guess we can agree to disagree there. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, something's gonna happen. I think that's my prediction is that Harden will not be on the team uh, opening day, but we will wait and see. And if it's not that, it'll be some other deal. But Morris got something up his sleeve. I mean, I know this wasn't on the agenda, but thought I'd throw it to you. Honestly, a lot of noise I've been hearing on local Philly sports radio is Zach Levine.
2: I mean, look, if you could somehow swing James Harden for Zach Levine, I've already said I'd do that in a second. Because it makes, like I said, if Zach Levine's willing to be like the third star behind like you know, Joel and Tyrese, then I'm all for it. Cause I think Tyrese's ceiling is higher than Levine's in terms of like stardom, but Levine, you know, he can close games for you if you need to, he's done it for Chicago before though. He's not their main closer. Um, I, I'd like it cause he can play on and off the ball. And I think you need that with, you know, James can't play off the ball. That's the problem here. James is so ball. I mean, dominant. he could though. Not him and Chris Paul kind of did, right? Uh, no. Chris Paul played off the ball, and then when James sat, Chris got to play like himself. But um, no. I I I. It's not it that he's not game wise able to. Is that James doesn't want to. James wants to be have the ball in his hands. If he's not scoring, he's playmaking. He has to be, cause if he's not doing anything with the ball, he's not going to move without the ball. We know that Levine's still young enough and athletic enough to where he can move without the ball and be a threat for like backdoor cuts and stuff like that. So I, I think if you can, I mean, look, I I think I've said it in the past podcast, but like if you can trade James Harden for Zach Levine, like straight up and you, you know, we might have to throw in like a pick in there or something like, a second-round pick or, like, protected first. But, like, i do that for both teams because from Chicago's perspective, you're probably not going to win something with this current core. DeMar becomes a free agent next uh, summer. James becomes a free agent next summer. If it doesn't look like that trio is working out with Vucevic, then you can trade pretty much all three, especially Harden and DeRozan because they're on the last year of their deals. You could probably trade Vucevic too, and if not, it's not like we know that he can't win you games because we saw him in Orlando. So it's not like he's going to stop you from rebuilding. Um, so Dame or Zach, if you could get the
3: same package to give up for him,
0: ooh,
2: I mean, if it's the same package, you go for Dame. But like, if you can get Zach for like Harden and some, you know, ancillary pieces, I think you do that. Because, you know, it doesn't sound like, you know, the game wants to come here. And, yeah. you know, we know that, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that Zach and Joel are pretty good friends. And I don't think a, Zach would hate the idea of coming to Philly to play with his buddy. So I, I, think, I think the smart bet is exactly Levine. Look, if, if Zach is not happy with the Bulls again, which there's a strong possibility. Look, the Bulls did not get better.
3: Dude, the Bulls are in no man's land. They are literally like...
2: Yeah, they're 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 like 11 seed. like they might make the play in. But the problem is the way that their team is built. Lonzo Ball is such an important part to how they play. Not saying that Lonzo Ball is like an all star, but he how he plays is so important to how their team is supposed to function. That because he's going to miss the whole entire next season, it's going to just put them in a hole. And like I love Javon Carter, but he's a three and D point guard. He's not gonna. He's not like a strong playmaker. When he was in college, he wasn't even a strong playmaker. He's a playmaker and scorer. So I mean, a defensive player and scorer. So like, he's not gonna make. Like it's just it's gonna cause a lot of problems. And I just don't see it working out for your Chicago. I think Chicago needs to tank again. I but, I do too. But we I, will see. They're
3: chasing. They're chasing with the Vucevic
2: thing and and the Kobe White. They're just spending money, but they they gave up so much to get Vucevic and DeRozan. It just seems if they gave up now, just be like, "Oh, we were wrong," which we all knew they were at the time. But we would think more than one playoff appearance would be worth, you know, would you know? Anyway, honestly.
3: Yeah, at the end of the day, I think that a lot of teams do that philosophy, like, like sunk costs, like, oh, we gave up too much. Now we got to sign this person. I think so many teams would be better off just being like, we gave up way too much for this player, but we're also making a worse decision by continuing to pay him. So, uh, but teams all do that, right? So we will see.
2: I, I wonder. I wonder if Minnesota will do that with uh, Rudy Gobert when his contract's up, but that won't be for another like three or four years. So. We'll see.
3: We will. Um, So, yeah, like Lucas said, hopefully we'll be back on Sunday recording again. And if we are, special guests teasing it again. So please come back and listen to us Sunday. We appreciate all of you listening to the podcast. Uh, And go over to the sixerscents.com to read our work, continue to put out some good trade articles. Lucas has a series coming up of ranking the 30 best positional players. Point guards came out today. So please go give that a review. We will talk about that on the next pod and then yes. shooting guards will be up next
2: yes because chris is not happy with my point guards one at
3: all oh man you ruined the t's
2: yeah too bad i'm not i'm not <laughs> well it
3: yeah. would be chris it'll be chris to come on uh we always have a good time when he's back so hopefully we'll be back sunday with that so yeah go over to the six read our work listen to the podcast on uh spotify apple google play any place that you listen to your podcast please give us a review if you like the podcast. And we look forward to giving you more news on Sunday. So until then, go Sixers.